Welcome to the Make More Keep More podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Ron Crothers, with Dominic, my co-host, Dominic Cummins. Let me tell you guys a little bit about this thing. I'll go first. Right? Sounds good. I'm going to take the seniority here. I like it. But um, anyway, Dominic and I have known each other 32 years when Dominic was a wee young lad and I first moved down to San Diego. And it was actually your wife, Ivana, who came up with the idea that since... You are really an expert in sales and growing sales teams. And they say, I'm an expert in finance and taxes, that we would really put this podcast together with the idea of making more and keeping more. So since this is kind of our test run one, Dominic, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and your background? So officially, I've been in sales for a about 25 years, uh, 1996. So it's 26 years this year, actually. Uh, unofficially, I my first sales gig was my lemonade stand when I was five <laughs> and convincing people to buy my 10 cents a cup lemonade. I never did one of those. Oh, dude, it was awesome. You know, one of the funniest stories, this is probably totally off topic, but one of the funniest stories that ever happened is I really wanted, you know, people would bring by coins and stuff. And I really, I was, I was five, maybe six, and I really wanted cash, like actual, like, you know, green currency. Uh, and so I told a guy who came up and- Don't we all want Right. Cash. And uh, he came up to me and he was like, uh, I want to get a cup of lemonade. And he had a dollar bill on him and that's all he had. And I told him I didn't have change. So he bought 10 cups and I realized that that was probably a good sales move. I also feel slightly bad about it because it was probably messed up that I made the guy buy 10 cups of lemonade. I think with interest, you'd probably owe him like a thousand dollars now or something right. for change, but good for you. Yeah. Sales so, move. so I got green cash in that, in that transaction versus a bunch of coins, but no, I, so I've been in that, that business uh, a long time. Uh, start out in the banking world. You know, we both had our Series Seven licenses way back when, uh, and went through that that upbringing, and then and then took off more into the software space. Um, sold a lot, been responsible for a lot of teams, uh, big teams all over the all over the world. Really, uh, my biggest sale is 128 million on a single sale, um, but I've had some pretty cool sales opportunities. Actually, the one did you? I don't even know if you knew this. Um, I sold ESPN for a software company a few years ago, got to tour the ESPN facilities, like had to go to Bristol, Connecticut to tour. It's oh, nice. every bit as cool as you would have thought it might be. So it was, it was an awesome experience. Um, so I've had, I've had the opportunity, like I've Qantas Airlines, American Airlines, a bunch of big businesses that I've had the opportunity to work with. So a lot of that type of sales stuff. So yeah, I'm excited to talk more about it and bring it down to the average person. Now with all those sales and stuff, I'm getting intimidated and I'm going to be <laughs> like, my story's kind of sad. <laughs> um, my background for those of you that don't know is I grew up and I'm, I'm an only child. We grew up West side LA, moved down to San Diego about 30 years ago when I met you, but um, we were not poor, but we were definitely lower middle class. I lived mm -hmm. in an apartment um, my joke is we weren't no shoes poor, but we did have a used Pinto for whatever that's worth. And for those of you who don't know what a Pinto is, go look it up. It's it's not a car that you get when you're rolling in cash. Although my parent, my dad had a sick like 280Z and also a really nice convertible Fiat. So again, we weren't poor, poor, but we just weren't. My mom worked for doctors. And so, you know, we certainly didn't have the resources that they did. And working 
the summer between my junior and senior year, thinking that I always wanted to go to med school and realizing I didn't want to go to med school, I really gravitated toward the accounting side of things, the money side of things. And because I also happened to be my high school's valedictorian, nobody cares. It's been a long time, right? And I didn't, in fact, go to USC. My daughter did, hence the hoodie. But um, we didn't have any money for me to go to college right away. And so later when I went to school to be a CFP and get tax certificates, I kind of tripped over the college rules. So that became my specialty. And then in the last few years, it's really been helping people get their money right and pay the least amount of taxes possible and also manage some of the risk where a lot of people take excessive risk, pay excessive taxes. So our hope, I think both of us would say, is really that this whole thing is about making more, keeping more. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so since making more comes first, I think that means you have to go first on something oh, educational. isn't that nice? Well, you know, here's the funny thing is, I'm sorry. Uh, here's the funny thing is, is uh, my parents had a pinto as well. So that's crazy. So that's how funny the... My dad used to joke and call it his Pintera. And it was that ugly, ugly baby blue. <laughs> and again, if you guys don't know this, they used to, if you hit them just right, it was a design flaw, the whole thing would explode. And this was back, you know, in the 70s. So yeah. there were no, nobody wore seatbelts and I would hit, sit back in the hatchback. We just put the seats down and I'd kind of scrunch over there. So, um, yeah, my parents had my mom's claim to fame was that ours was made in the UK. I don't even know if that was true or not. And that ours had some sort of protective plate so it wouldn't explode. But it originally started out as a cherry red Pinto. And as all I remember is about the color of your sweatshirt. That's it. Just I don't think they really that was just not a quality car. Uh, but yeah, so the so talking through that, let me see. It looks like my microphone might be a little hot here. Um yeah, I think just dovetailing with what you're saying is, is yeah, I've sold a lot. The interesting thing is, is had I applied some of what I've learned from you over the years earlier in my life, I'd have a lot more. And that's where a lot of this comes from is the ability to go out there and probably a lot of people listening to this, they don't have a problem probably making sales or could always use some effort to, to get more on the top line. But then bringing in you is to talk about how to keep more of that, right? Like that is... You got to do both, right? So, um, yeah, Ivana came up with that idea. Said, so why don't you two just talk about that stuff? And and we tend to talk about God only knows what else. So along the way. Yeah, we're going to talk about whatever we feel like. Yeah, right? watches probably. Fast cars. Mm -hmm. Wine. Whiskey. Yep. Yeah. Yep, all that. Except you're dry right now. I am. I'm doing the 75 hard challenge. I'm 10 days in. And I picked the absolute. You know what's going on personally. Yeah. I picked the absolute worst time to do this. But... I guess the point is, it's hard. as the guy says, Andy Frisella, is it's supposed to be the 75 hard, not the 75 medium or challenge or whatever. Yeah. So um, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to we'll do? We'll do some wine tasting or some whiskey tasting at some point 60 days from now. 60 days. Cause yes. I, actually, no, 65 days from now because I'm 10 days in. But um, to business. Yeah. What would you say is the, I know we're going to talk about mindset the next time and getting your mind right, which I got a lot to say about that, but um, particularly having, as we both gone through divorces or recovering from challenges and things like that, but what would you say is if you could only give one tip to someone who is in a sales position or in a business growth position, 
where they need to get a business, get more clients in the door. What do you see? I'm going to give you my take on it afterwards. What do you see as the number one thing that they could do? I see the number one problem that most salespeople do is we make it about us. So if you read like any sales process and the whole like, you know, you're supposed to do this and set, you know, uh, you know, get to know the person and do all that. Everything about it is in order to get them to do to buy from us, which you go, well, duh. Yeah, that's the idea. The reality is, though, if you can reverse that and make it all about them, people tend to gravitate towards you to buy. So what I mean by that, let me give you some statistics around this. I'm a big stats guy. Um, HubSpot, which is a big CRM tool for those who don't know, uh, CRM tool out there for people. They have they have uh, well over 100,000 uh, companies on their platform. So their data is pretty robust uh, as far as what they're pulling, pretty representational. And one of the things that they did, they did a survey of buyers just across the board and two surveys actually. And one of them was that uh, almost or a little over 90% of buyers find find no commercial value in their discussions with salespeople. In other words, they see Interesting. no worth in talking to a salesperson. So that got HubSpot going like, wow. So they came back, did another survey where they asked, well, what would be interesting to you? And, or, you know, what would make you want to talk to a salesperson? And the, the survey was, again, in the 90% range, 94, 96, something like that, said, if a salesperson were to come with relevant industry insights and like basically teach me something about my world, show me how it applies to me and, and, and do that, I'd be happy to talk to them. But as salespeople, we're, it's like, hi, nice to meet you. Let me show you. All the, I got watches. I got watches like a, you know, street vendor in New York, right? Like we, we jump right into all that, which is what I mean by it's all about us. Want to see my thing? Want to see my thing? Yeah. Not that thing, you guys. Behave yourselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, want to see the thing? Wanna That's your audience. Thing. My audience <laughs> my audience is wholesome and clean. But pure. you're pure. Yeah. Uh, no. So uh, it's probably the other way around. I learned, I, I learned actually early on, particularly in my t- Twitter, is you do not ever click on your client's profiles unless you're really sure of what they do because I've been like, yeah. Oh, uh, some point we'll have to, you, you're gonna catch cold. <laughs> some point we'll we'll you're talk. You're getting a Bible and exactly. some new clothes for yeah. Christmas. Yes. We'll have to talk about. Uh, we're just clothes, period. Yeah, exactly. Uh, modest clothes. Uh, we're gonna have to talk about when I went to go do research for the names for this and the make more, keep more, and doing all the like, uh, buying all the d- domain names and a couple of variations that I did came up with some really interesting things to <laughs> so, show me after we turn the yeah, camera off <laughs> after the camera comes off uh it's, of course now everybody's going to start googling variations of that uh let's just put it that when i shortened it to the initials that's what you start getting go there at your own risk uh but yeah i think making it about ourselves is really a big issue with salespeople. and and look uh, i blame sales leaders <laughs> Salespeople are just trying to make a buck i get that um but i think as owners of businesses entrepreneurs any sales leaders in this we have to change that behavior we have to train that behavior out of people because they do want to make money and i get it and i've been commission only like you have and where you're and you know i'm an entrepreneur now which is you could argue is just commission only all the time you own a business you're commission only i mean like you you gotta have clients coming in the door yeah there's certain businesses that lend themselves 
to recurring revenue. But at the end of the day, somebody has to go get those clients in the first place unless you're buying a business or right. an existing revenue stream. If you're building that sucker, you got to go get some clients. Um, so you would say making it about the client, not about themselves. Yep. And so how would that manifest? Well, the first place is it actually starts back. I'm also a marketer by background too, right? So, I, and, and by the way, Dominic's kind of a big shot. I don't think you do as much with him anymore, but you were like on the stage at Traffic Conversion for mm -hmm. any of you guys that are familiar with, um, you know, Digital Marketer, Ryan Dice, Perry Belcher, those guys. Like Dominic rubs elbows with those guys. Dominic's like the guy behind those guys. At least as far as the sales go. Sure. That's fair to say, yep. right? Yep. I'm not going to get you in any trouble. No, I don't think so. Get me in letters from lawyers or anything like no, that. No, no. All no, right, no. man. No. Did, a little, did a little executive coaching for them and then did a lot of the, the sales training side of things for them, for their teams uh, that went out. And yes, spoken at Traffic and Conversion Summit a couple of times and then done a ton of their events uh, for their partner community and some of that stuff. So I've spoken in front of those guys a lot. Um, but backing it up to the marketing side of things is it's actually... Here's the funny thing. If you really want to make it about your audience, you got to know your audience. And and that's, you know, I think we as salespeople, it's so hard. I mean, even when I come out with a new product, it's like, oh, everybody could buy this. And then you start thinking about it and they go, well, okay, but it would be better. Like the expression, the riches are in the niches. Now, if you pronounce it niche, then that doesn't really rhyme. But the the idea of like getting that audience Unless you down, call it riches the riches and the niches yeah that doesn't work either uh, that one's for you brian plum if you happen to live one of my buddies is from the uk brian plum and and he we had this whole discussion he's like you guys mispronounce it so then the, the, the so you make the expression work but anyway that's another story um but that said is is if you don't know the audience and then what they really want then how are you possibly going to convey anything towards them? Now, the interesting thing is I teach this like concept it's called the triad. I'm sure we'll jump into that in another, in another session, but I teach this concept around a triad, which is just this three points of interest that you come on with like data. Well, the cool thing is by researching that I have found more clients and more people that I've coached that start to go, Oh, this is what I do. And I great, let's start creating your triad. I teach them how to do it. They start doing the research and they're like, man, None of what I'm finding here is what I'm trying to sell. Exactly. When you start researching what the actual problem is, you start to like really narrow down or really um, hone in on what your actual product offering is. And so that start, that's where I would start. And then, then you can make it, it very much all about your audience. You know, something very interesting that you brought up about marketing a second ago is I studied under Dan Kennedy, a lot of you guys may be too young to know who Dan Kennedy is, but Dan Kennedy is the, the OG of marketing and client attraction. And the number one thing that I learned from Dan, and Dan even said this himself, and if you guys have never been exposed to Dan Kennedy, please go check out some of his books. Yep. And I think next time we're going to talk about wealth attraction and money mindset, yep. Dan wrote a great book on it. And um, I actually had the privilege of writing one of the chapters for, for one of the earlier editions for it. But Dan always made an interesting comment about there's two businesses that you really need to get good at. One is the doing of your thing, right? Whatever it is, whether you're a salesperson or a business owner, a chiropractor, uh, a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, an accountant, but then you have to get also equally good 
if not better, at marketing the service of whatever we you, you do. And the marketing is different from sales. And the better the marketing is, the less sales you have to actually do because your clients come to you pre-sold. So my thing would always be learn how to follow up with clients, learn how to attract them to you in the first place. While we're saying this, let me just throw a disclaimer in there for anybody listening to this from Instagram or Twitter. I can barely even keep up with people that reach out and direct message me. So I am not the one direct messaging you in the middle of the night asking how your crypto strategy is. (laughs) That almost got me shanked, Dominic, because my wife wanted to know the very first time this happened, like, why are you DMing Lisa in the middle of the night asking about her crypto strategy? And I'm like, talking about I'm asleep in the middle of the night and so there are a lot of bots on there i just want to throw that out there but we work really hard and dan said this first to have people want to reach out to us first um and so i will never reach out to you guys first on direct messages particularly talking about crypto which yeah i know some about but that's certainly not what we're going to chat about but marketing is the thing what i would say is absolutely learn marketing learn how to attract and let me give you an old school from something we used 30 years ago in finances was we would offer reports on tax strategies or nine retirement mistakes we had a report on that like we had one on seven mistakes parents made when um planning for college Mm -hmm. and then people would raise their hand to want that information back to what you were talking about which is being valuable and then a certain percentage of them would want to come and talk to us and some would make good clients some didn't you know but at the end of the day the whole relationship change and changes when someone seeks me or you or the salesperson or business owner out rather than the business owner right trying to reach out to them first and i'll tell you it's actually like gross in some cases we had like i was telling you off camera kind of a bad situation this last week with a death in the family and there's going to be a lawsuit and things like that and literally a lawyer was like, hey, I'll come to the house and just help you with it. And it's like, wow, like that's definitely not right. our guy, right? Like, you know, why would you do that? So um, I think that's kind of my two cents on it. What else do you want to throw in there? Yeah, I think so. As far as you bring up an interesting point, is the, the and um, you actually need that lawyer. Like you need a lawyer. Not that we one. absolutely are going to. You're going to need a lawyer given your circumstances. And yet the approach, like it's not about what people need per se. It is has a lot to do with the intent and the approach. And I think that's where, again, we go wrong if we're not really thinking about it. Like if that guy was thinking about you and thinking about what your family is going through right now, he's not going to approach that way. But no, it's all about him and trying to land a deal. Even though he frames it in a way that, like, you need a lawyer, so let me come help you. Well, hey. people see through that, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, you need a car. You, know, you want watches? Watch. I, I kind of felt like I kind of felt a little early day Saul Goodman vibes, right? right? right. Like, oh. So, hey, man, it's all good, man. <laughs> the uh, I think that again, that going back to that piece is if you really understand your client and where they're coming from and what they're really interested about, and it's. 
like I'll run a program with people and when it, when they start up with me, like kind of identifying that side of it. And it's always fascinating to watch them go through where we get into, it's not just the demographics cause that's important. Um, but it's also like the psychographics computer shut off here. Um, the psychographics of what we're, we're talking about, right? So it's not just, is it, you know, a male from this age to this age, but what are they like? What are they, what are they worried about at home? And I love to use the illustration with people is, Okay, most people are comfortable with stress from eight to five or whatever their working schedule is. If you're an entrepreneur from, you know, 4 a.m. To, to, to midnight. But uh, if we're, we're comfortable during our working hours. Wait, your entrepreneur friends are sleeping four hours a night. <laughs> right? They really don't like want it. it. Yeah. Gary V would call them slackers <laughs> right. and losers. You need to be <laughs> yeah. massive amounts of trucker speed. And not sleeping right. at all. Exactly. Uh, coming from the guy who works 270 days a year, right? Uh, but uh, and then is divorced now. That's interesting news. I don't know. I I love Gary. Rolls v, up but on I the not fall. Yeah, him at he all. went Instagram official with some young young lady the other day. Yeah. No I, judgment, I, Gary. But uh, yeah. yeah, I so I've really only heard Gary a couple times. Like I didn't have the energy to follow the podcast, even though I, you know, because his message is pretty simple, right? right? It's like three things: like social media is great, market a bunch, and what's his third one? Hustle, hustle. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And don't listen to your parents about college, and don't. <laughs> no, go. but so yeah, I, I mean. Uh, we'll Sorry, man. I totally that. lost. Yeah, you totally, totally derailed okay, so me. So hold on. While you're recomposing yourself, yes. let me just tell you. You were talking about psychographics yes. of your market. Yeah. What I actually, it's funny. I had a buddy in the financial planning industry who would only market. I had one who only marketed to strippers, which was very interesting. <laughs> But I had another one. See what I mean about your audience being a little twisted? Dude, no, it's not my audience. It's his audience, man. Don't drag me into this. Um, but what's interesting is I had a buddy who would market only to for financial services to guys who sold their companies. And his whole thing was you sell your company um, and you would... Generally, you're on your second wife, so you had to take care of the first wife, but you're on your second wife. And it was a very interesting market because you would go, I can't think of the name of the magazine. I want to say Town and Country, but it wasn't Town and Country. It's like a she-she Western magazine for like guys who have never really worked on a ranch in their life. But mm. like the idea behind it, and that's where he got all his clients because he could relate to that. He was, you know, twice divorced. And he could relate to someone going through divorce. He could relate to someone selling a company. And what I'll just say is like in our process, the very first thing that we do when someone reaches out to us, whether it's on the phone, you know, we're doing a phone interview because I have clients all over the place, or they're coming into my offices, why are you here? What do you want to get out of this today? What made you make this appointment? Mm -hmm. And then we actually, I have a checklist of 10 questions ish that I go through. I may not get all of them because a lot of times they'll overlap, but it's just finding out like, why are you here? And really tr in our case, trying to determine, do you have a problem that we can help solve? Right. And then again, it makes so much easier rather than me trying to think like I have this thing, you need my thing. So I, I don't know for whatever that's worth. Yeah, for sure. Back well, to psychographics on your side of things. Right. 
before we got off tangent with Gary V. No, so the exercise I'll run people through kind of in a similar vein. I mean, like what you're trying to figure out is what does your audience really need, like really, truly need. And I talk about, again, we're prepared to have stress during our work day, whatever that work day looks like. But we're that we're just used to it. Like if you work in corporate America, chances are, you know, to some level you like your job and some level your job sucks. Right. So and you're OK with that. What bo- starts to bother people is when they have to take that home. Like if the, the part that causes problems in people's lives is when work comes home with them or the stress of something. And, and then I, I say to people like, just what if you just thought of this one thing? When your ideal buyer comes home, what's still nagging them when they're trying to open that bottle of wine or that pour that cocktail? Yep. What's that thing that's bugging them then that you can solve with what you're doing? And a lot of clients, especially and I work with a lot of service based businesses and things, so it's you know, marketing agencies and consultants and coaches and all those kind of people. But they tend to be able to, it, it's not so much what you solve during the day. It's what you solve that they took home with them, right? That makes it because, and I think Dan Kennedy talks about this too, is people aren't really necessarily all that interested in improvement, but they'll pay big for transformation. And the more that I can create yep. transformation to me, I've found that when we unlock what stresses them out when they go home at night, you know, we're all work from home these days, right? But the, but whatever stresses them when they go to their living room, you know. Or, from from Dominic's shed in the backyard that yeah, we're in yes. right now, which is his I, office, which is really nice, I like by to the way. call it a studio. Thank you and, very much. Oh, I'm so geez. sorry. You're an artist. I didn't know that. And he's got a sick view. We're looking basically down to the Queen Mary. Yeah. Queen Mary's yeah, there. I can see the Queen Mary over there um, and the water. So you know what? Yeah. And out here is snow capped like mountains when there's not smog. Yeah, it's smog so really bad. smoggy today. today. Uh, but yeah, so I think when you can solve that thing, then you create transformation in people's lives. And I, I'll you can bear with me on a silly analogy. But when I mean, when I talk about improvement versus transformation, I'll use an example of grapes. So like you have table grapes that you can go to like Bonds or Kroger or Ralph's or whatever your local grocery store is. You can go buy table grapes there. And why, would, why would you do this? Right, okay. So some people would <laughs> I, buy. I don't understand. Just, why, but why? <laughs> so people would buy table grapes, right? And they're $1.99 a, a pound, let's say. Let's just say that's a that's a good price for it. Um, and But then, then you'll have the people who go, well, but no, I want organic grapes, and I'm going to go to Whole Foods for those. And they'll pay $3.99 for those grapes, which, okay, cool. That's, an impro- that's what I call improvement. Now... If I were to say to you, you've got to spend $20 a pound for grapes, you'd be like, no, I'm not, I'm not paying $20 a pound for grapes. I, if, I was out at $1.99, right, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, uh, so great fan or not, whatever. <laughs> you, but if you go to uh, $20.99 a pound, you're going to go like, no, that's that's absolutely ridiculous. I'll buy the ones at Kroger or I'll buy the ones at Whole Foods, but I'm not paying $20. Yet we all pay $20 a a pound of grapes on a regular basis because it takes over a pound of grapes to put together a bottle of wine because you've now transformed it. Like you've now, I realize those aren't table grapes and I, I get it, but let's not be all really technical with the, the analogy. Right. No, no, no. The analogy is solid. But, the, I, but I got the analogy. when I transform it into grapes, in fact, the most expensive bottle of wine ever sold, sold for roughly $18,000 a pound of grapes. They went into that bottle. 
So, you know, and, and look at the look at the list to get on Screaming Eagles distribution list. I mean, how many years wait list? How many lifetimes wait list is that? Right. You know, and you, you talk. Well, so we'll we'll pay big money for grapes because it's transformed into something else in our lives. Now, again, kind of a silly analogy. I get it. But like, what if we could unlock whatever that transformation is for a client? Then we can pay. They'll pay us big for that. No, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to come back to one thing that you said. One of the questions that we actually ask our clients in finances, and any of you, anybody listening to this that has gone through an initial interview with me, you'll know we ask this what keeps you awake at night? Right. Is there anything keeping you awake related to money right now? What is it? And, and again, it's letting them tell us so we can determine. Again, I'm not a salesperson in the sense of salesperson, but I am a client. You know, we run a client firm and so we want good clients. Right. And that's one of the things, it doesn't mean you have to make up an answer because a lot of people are like, nothing, you know, and we can still help them save taxes and do whatever. But it's a great question to be thinking of for any salesperson or business owner. Like, what is it about what you do and can provide for them? How can you transform what you're doing? And how can you solve a problem that is keeping them awake at night or some portion of that so the guy can get, or gal can go home and crack that bottle of wine and be done with work for the day or one last thing off their plate? Yeah, and here's the funny thing with that example is what I say to, what I say to my clients is your goal is to make it that the bottle of wine is optional, not necessary. And I'm not trying to make light of people having drinking problems. That's not, that's not the goal of that. But 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 what I mean by that is go home and have a crack open bottle of wine because it sounds good. And not because you, you need it to not unwind because, right. from your crappy clients. Right. By the way, while the bottle's airing out, you're going to have three martinis. <laughs> you can pass right. out face down on your couch because it's the only way you can get to sleep because you're so stressed out. Exactly. Totally. And that creates transformation in people's lives makes sense and then they'll pay for that and so again it all comes back to your original question of what do you say is your thing about what's your one takeaway if you can make it 100 percent about them one it's what they want they want you to come teach them train them show them what's going on in their world and so the triad becomes this thing where i'll come in and say hey did you know uh one i'll use for marketing agencies i'll give an example of it like i'll come in and say hey listen did you know marketing agencies, the average closing percentage for marketing agencies, like closing qualified leads into turning them into sales is 11%. That's literally the actual number, okay. which is usually the reaction. And I'll get agency owners will tell me like, nah, <laughs> I close way higher than that. And then an hour into the discussion, then they come back and go, you might be right. In fact, I had one one time he was like, there's no way that, that we're way higher than that. I don't even believe the thing. He called me back later and said, we ran, re-ran the numbers. We're at eight and a half percent. And they were really successful on the NF. I mean, they were a multi seven figure agency. They did very well for themselves, but that, that, but they had to hustle so much. So I'll tell that story. It's like 11%. And I go put another way. That means almost 90% of the deals you work hard to get to go away. So that's if you're picturing like this triangle that starts there. And then I say, so what, here's what's interesting, too. There was another study done that that um, I, over 60 percent or about 60 percent of all agencies have less than 25 clients. And 40 percent of those have less than 10 clients. Now, think about that for a second. What's that story starting to tell me? I've got 11 percent uh, closing percentage, which is 
probably contributing to why I don't have a lot of clients. Why you have no clients, right. right, yeah. So then what do you do? You have to, every one of those clients matters so much. They all matter, I get it, but they, but they matter so much because if you lose one of those, Especially if you have less than 10 clients. Yeah, you just lost 10% of your rev revenue. Yes, of course, they're not all the same revenue, but each one's critical. Yeah, and and typically, without getting too deep into the story, I, a lot of them, it's it's four or five clients, and one of them is 50% of the revenue right by there. So what do they do? That's when they're talking, well, you're making the sort of joke about like working 24 hours a day. Well, yeah, you have to, because you can't sustain that. And then you can't fill the pipeline because you suck at closing. Like... So now, now what it is, and then the, the final point, and I typically do the triad, like where the top is sort of the dagger through the heart, is the marketing agencies are one of the, in virtually every survey you see, one of the most failed business types. Well, yeah, because at some point, marketing agency owners burn out. So the reason why I tell that story is just, a, it, it, that's an example, and I do that with any industry I work with. I'll create that same story because now I'm telling, I have now... Rather than asking them what's keeping them up at night, I'm telling them I already know what's keeping them up at night because statistically, most agencies can't close a lot of business and I know they don't have as many clients as they would like to and therefore every single client matters so much that they can't take a day off. And then they burn out, they sell, they do whatever, they sell for a loss. They, I mean, they do whatever they can to get out of this agency or the agency just closes up because, and, and then that's like, cool, well, now I can help you. What if I took you from 11% to 25% and I have a whole formula for showing that all of a sudden their business is night and day different without really doing anything other than just having a better sales conversation. Brilliant. Well, and what I would add is think of how much stress the ability to add new clients at will and get rid of the bad ones. Right. Because nothing, I think we can both agree on this. There is no greater feeling than firing a bad client. Oh, it's the best. And we got a couple right now that we're, we're going to fulfill their contract in the next three business days. And they are done. <laughs> Never, like, we did what we said. You got the result. Please lose our number. Never darken our door again. And, you know, look, like, look, I know I, my I, wife is behind on getting you some stuff, but I didn't think it was that bad. I mean, <laughs> I know she's supposed to be getting you, know you what, some stuff. Listen, by the time. Yeah. I, and look, I have a lot of clients. My clients are great. We're pretty selective on the front end, you know, to make sure it's a fit. And um, but by the time someone gets to the point where I want to get rid of them, I'm very happy to see yeah, them go. For sure. And um, it is the greatest feeling. And unfortunately, the worst feeling is having to keep a terrible client because you have to have the revenue. And I think part of our, our reason for this whole podcast is to help you guys really get from a place of scarcity to a place of abundance, both on the money coming in the door, right, as well as retaining. And yeah, if you want three Lamborghinis, whatever, we'll chat about that. But really keeping it to eventually buy freedom. And that involves literally the three pillars of this whole conversation, which is closing more sales up front, getting more clients, paying the least amount to the tax man possible, and being smart about how you manage that backside so you've reached financial independence quicker. And I think we would both agree that's really our goal of this entire thing and what we're going to do. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Dominic, 
Dominic, I feel like we've covered enough for our first I thing. Think so too. And especially because the 75 hard has you drinking a gallon of water a day, which oh, is so hands down the worst part of the whole thing. Creates a different challenge altogether. Oh my God. I, I <laughs> fell behind on it yesterday. So I had to guzzle a bunch before bed. I literally, I woke up this morning with my wife and I'm like, look, if I didn't know that I drank like six, 60 ounces of water right before bed, <laughs> I would be at the call my doctor because I have a concern. So sorry to get uh, weird on you guys. Yeah. But, but if any and of you guys, that's the type of stuff you could expect on this show. <laughs> yeah. If anybody has done the 75 hard challenge, it, it, it's yeah. For Sella's podcast on, on all the whys and wherefores is actually really good too, but. There you go. In for a dime, in for a dollar. Dom, do you have anything else you want to say to the group before we, we sign off for this first one? No, I'll keep it short because your bladder is going to explode. But no, I think I'm excited. No, I, I, I called it before there was a real problem. There was here, a real problem. Just, I like that. That's you know, good. it's kind of like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And then, it, you know, when you get to a certain Sh- age. Sharing is caring. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> easy with the age. Leave the age out of it, Tom. I was going to say me. Completely Once I crossed 40, for. it was like. What the happened? judges are sending you to the corner and they're deducting a point for a below the belt shot. Uh, so it runs not that much older than me. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm excited to do this because I think that a lot of the stuff that we'll have and the guests that we're going to have on this show, is going to be exciting to be able to tell you both yeah, how to get more strategies around that, making more money on the front end without like killing yourself. That's a big piece of it without killing yourself, doing it the right way, being proud of your business, not being that, you know, sales guy and then on the back end how to keep it and that those are big pieces of it i've always been pretty good at being able to make it but i have been less than wonderful at keeping it at times now part of that's a divorce you know that didn't help but yeah, uh, my divorce a lot of my money went yeah, away too but I've it's also where, where some of the strategies and i'll tell you we're working with ron now on stuff and we have a great cpa we've loved him for years but um the stuff that ron is teaching us is just it's a whole nother ball game and and really helping us um uh you know, do more with what we have. And then it's also really cool from that standpoint is it actually helps me sell more to know like, Oh, if I would do it this way and we structure a couple of things, like I could end up with this much at the end of the year. It makes you more excited about doing the work because if you've got a partner in business that does, you know, kind of nothing for you. Mm -hmm. Right. But you got to give them 20 30 40 percent of or 50 percent of everything that you make and they don't show up they don't help you out when times are bad being there you know and and frankly i'm not saying the government doesn't do anything for us if you're listening from the irs we love you guys you guys are wonderful um go irs (laughs) but by at the end of the day knowing hey i get to keep a little more of what i make it is hugely motivating and knowing what you can legitimately write off will free you because it will, the dollar that comes in, you get to keep more of that dollar. And like I always say is, when you lose a dollar to taxes or any other expense that's unnecessary, you know, now if you enjoy it, that's great. But I mean, unnecessary, no one enjoys paying taxes. Mm-hmm. You don't lose the dollar. You lose the dollar plus everything it would have made over its existence right. if you hadn't spent it on taxes and for you know even older people it's five ten dollars fifteen dollars for a younger person it might be that one dollar might actually cost you 20 30 or 40 right so i think we're off to a, a, a brilliant start yes um, pat ourselves on the back. 
You know what? We will if anybody's left watching this. <laughs> yeah. And if and Dominic, if ten people watch this, I already have more than my radio show from fifteen years ago <laughs> because I think our audience never broke like six. And it was a really good radio show, but we had a terrible time slot and like zero advertising budget. So, you know, we'll find out. Yeah. Well, at least so, our spouses will watch. And I, what I would speak for your own spouse. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's completely disinterested. Um, here's the other thing that I would say is in either of where, whenever you guys see this, like, let us know what you want. Yeah. So we're going to bring on DeFi experts and crypto experts and NFT and we're going to have a lot and we'll bring on some specialists like what to do. I don't know if you know this. My daughter is now an expert kind of in what to do if you didn't file your taxes for a number of mm. years or you owe them a bunch of money. So we'll have a plethora. There's your SAT word for the day. Mm -hmm. A plethora of experts on here. And 65 days from this recording, we will actually crack open some good whiskey. We'll discuss watches and what we're wearing each day and stuff like that. So any final words, Dom? And then when the charger season starts back up, we'll have plenty to talk about, I'm sure. You will. <laughs> when they left San Diego, man, I was back to my, my original team. Oh, you come every time I invite you, so. you. I do. I do. As long as I don't have to pay for the ticket because I refuse to give Spanos $1. And maybe another time we'll tell him the story. You, have, you, you kept us from meeting all the ex-Hall of Fame players. Yeah, we, we will tell you guys a great story about Dominic not giving me, uh, telling me, you know, letting me read, the, not giving me a heads up on who was in the room when I was a little more honest than I needed to be. Uh, uh, with someone, yeah, we'll tell you guys that story another day. Dom, are we good? Awesome, we're good. Thanks for uh, right, thanks guys. for joining us on remember, the inaugural when, Make More, Keep More. And remember, it's not just what you make, it's, it's what, what you, you keep. keep. Absolutely. All right, we're out. Awesome, guys.